This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Start building your website today at squarespace.com. Enter offer code MARVEL at checkout to get 10% off. Squarespace. Build it beautiful. Hello, Marvelites. Welcome to episode number 202 of This Week in Marvel. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Marvel's Agent M, and I'm solo once again, uh, just rolling on here and, you know, just ready to roll, ready to rock. No, we're not going to do a bit. Oh, We're aw. just going to do it. Aw. I am Marvel.com editor Ben Morris, back, finally, after uh, missing quite a few episodes. Not only, oh, not only am I back... I am too close to the microphone because we have changed everything. You've changed everything since I've been gone. I know. Corporate sponsorships. Yep. It's it's all it's all nice. I like Got it. Got that like, Squarespace money. I, I like what you've done with the show. Yeah. Uh, and the podcast room. Look at all the things yeah. that I've done here. Yeah, it's really beautiful. It's um there are things in here. Yeah. It's nice. Yeah. Anyways, good to be back. I am back in the office finally and uh, Ryan and I are looking at each other gazing into each other's eyes mm-hmm. dreamily so it's uh yeah we're finally back we did it it's been a little while a little while you did a great job thanks nice, uh, nice work there's a great comment in here from uh, as we'll get to towards the end of the show from somebody uh remarking about how i sounded as i was doing these shows alone I, it's hilarious it's been a while since i've done one alone but i remember it just it gets so it's like, hard you need someone to play you off need of. someone to play off it's like how much can i talk to myself so hopefully yeah that will be the last of that for a while. Indeed. We are back and we are ready to go. And we don't even have an intern yet. What's yeah. that about? Yeah, I felt I felt bad. Intern Alec, while I was gone, left. Yep. Sent me a nice card. Yeah. Uh, I, He's I, good I at listened. writing those those cards. He did. He, yeah. I, my my wife was like, "Whoa, he wrote a lot." Yeah. So Alec, if you're listening, thank you very much. I'm sorry I wasn't here uh, your last day, but it was a very nice card. My wife was very impressed by it. She would like to say thank you. Um, <laughs> But you will not do it directly. So what do we do on this podcast? So on this podcast, we talk about all the new comics out this week. Print, digital, single issues, collections. We're going to talk about all the news, oh, yeah. which I don't think I filled in I on did. the sheet. Yeah, right on. I uh, well, no, I didn't do it on yours. I did it on mine. I wrote it in with pen. Ooh, ooh. Yeah. Uh, we talk about all the news and stuff. Uh, we're going to have an interview uh, in the middle of the show, a little while, with uh, Dave Mandel, who wrote uh, Hank Johnson. Oh, yeah. Agent of Hydra. I just read that so on good, my right? train ride in. Good Lord. We were holding on to that for years, you know. Yeah, I know. I I, I want to hear the interview. Strami did it. I didn't even do the interview. It's, it's kind of funny because I don't even... Was it explicit what world it's set on? Was no, it set on one? No. For a second, I was like, oh, maybe it's set on the Hail Hydra world, but I'm like, mm, things are way too. Yeah, there's pleasant. too much friendliness yeah, and like, not happy. enough. Like, yeah, boy, that was a, that was a, that was a really good comic, though. Yeah, I'm still I'm, I just read it on the train this morning. Yeah. It, was a, it was a wonderful way to start my day. And Michael Walsh, yep, did the art. Uh, art so good. Yeah, yeah. So art. really super. Uh, so we have that interview, and then we're gonna get to this week of Marvel questions and comments. It's we got uh, a lot of them. Hum dinger of an episode. Well, let's get right into it by talking about 1602 Witch Hunter Angela, number three, which I almost thought was the final issue. That's the thing with all these uh, yeah, Secret Wars it had things. A very, uh, it had a definite finality to it. Yeah, well, with these Secret Wars books, I there's so many of them, and in covering them, we've been kind of so like fast and furious about it that I didn't take the time to be like, oh, how many issues are in each book? So when any of these came to, I, I like, as I got to the last few pages of any of these Secret Wars tie-in books, I would kind of start going to myself 
is, is this is this it? Is this mm. the last page? And then sometimes I'd be surprised. By the way, I found out where my Secret Wars number five went. Where did it go? It was stolen <gasps> by one Matthew Saunders, <gasps> who then returned it. Wait, he went all the way over to your desk when right. he could have come into my office, right. which is ten feet away. He feels and comfortable asked, stealing from me. He well, I guess he thought I didn't need it. Also, he's he works digitally. He yeah. could just request a code and read it on. Yeah. I, he's, My he's, God, he's a, this he's a monster! Bird. But anyways, the point is, it's um, it's somewhere. I have to find it now. I think it's in the pile <laughs> of something. But I'll read it at some point. And boy, am I excited to find out what happened in Secret <laughs> Wars number five someday. But over in uh, 1602, Witch Hunter Angela. So you got Angela and Sarah still on the trail of the Faustians. And there's so many things I love about this book. Uh, I love the witty and intelligent writing by Marguerite Bennett and Karen Gillan. I love getting so many pages of Stephanie Hahn's art. Oh, yeah. Um, and in here, it took me a sec because I didn't look at the front to identify who did the little mini story within, which is focused on the 1602 versions of Cloak and Dagger, whom I love. Right. Uh, and it's done by Fraser Irving. I know. I, I looked at it at first. I was like, whoa, wait, is well, this – who is it? Fraser Irving? Yeah. The kind of cool thing is him and Stephanie Hans are similar enough that when it shifted, I was like, oh, is it just Stephanie Hans like doing it slight, like a flashback style? And it took me a second to realize it was Fraser Irving, but it was it was it was great. Um, also introduced in this issue is the 1602 version of Rogue, who is really cool. She's basically like the um, kind of archetypal princess locked up in a tower mm. because her powers are out of control and Angela and Sarah try to help her get them back under control. They end up relating to her a bunch. Some really tragic stuff happens with the Enchantress. This is a really smart, funny book that winks at itself a lot and makes cool historical references. Uh, making, making old Neil Gaiman proud. And it's not the last issue. Uh, despite the fact I definitely thought it was the last issue until <laughs> the last uh, panel. Well, those last couple pages, I was like, damn it. Seems like it's over, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, and it was deja vu all over again. Yes. And something we just experienced. Indeed. All right, on to A-Force number four, uh, written by Marguerite Bennett and G. Willow Wilson, pencils by Jorge Molina, inks by Craig Young and Walden Wong, and colors by Laura Martin. Uh, this is such a gorgeous book. You've got your A-Force team, which uh, is She-Hulk, Dazzler, Captain Marvel, Nico, and I guess in, they don't know her name yet, but we Singularity. Have, we know it's Singularity, Singularity. but they haven't, they haven't named it in the plot. Yeah. We, uh, the readers, know who indeed. she is. Indeed. Uh, and Medusa sacrificed herself nobly at mm -hmm. the end of last issue. Super and, nobly. Uh, Loki is sort of, you know, there. But in the course of this, we have found that Loki is the villain. But is it that simple? It's not simple, but at the same time, she's engineered a whole bunch of terrible right. things. She's like, she's definitely not. Yeah, yeah. Whether whether an intentional. But that, I mean, that's Loki, right? I like, guess that is. Yeah, Loki. there's you know uh, at least the Loki we know in the modern right. world is there are some good uh, intentions, but really terrible things that are done uh, to a lot of people. And in here, you know, we've got the A Force crew fighting uh, like a golem which is really like the stone golem thing which is awesome yeah. uh, you've got them fighting Loki Loki turns her um, her like coat into snakes or just throws some snakes at She-Hulk uh, it's really terrific uh, with the art by Jorge Molina is just so good really really terrific facial expressions uh, great action there's this amazing shot of Captain Marvel like uh, 
flying and punching uh, yeah. the uh, Thor Gamora in here, which is awesome to say in and of itself. Yeah, you've got a trio of Thors. Gumthora. Gumthora, uh, who are working together to, um, you know, be Doom's justice here. And they're they're kind of stupid, you know, like, they're just, they're like a blunt instrument. They're like Keystone Cops. Yeah, but... Uh, what are the Keystone Cops? They run around, like they run around in circles? run around in circle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the Thors here are just like, you're bad. We're going to stop you. Oh, wait. You're bad. We're going to stop you. What are we doing? Yeah. Exactly. All that happens. And then there's this huge moment right at the end where Loki is like, you know what? Screw you guys. Yeah. Nuclear option. This is another book where I thought it was over until the last three pages. Yeah. And this, what happens right at the end there's a lot of stuff happening with this kind of st- business in yeah. a bunch of issues this week. And right now, as we're getting to the end of a lot of Yeah, there's a stuff. lot of common threads. Yeah. One of them is uh, every Baron is going to take down Doom, which is interesting because I wonder if we'll, how much of that we'll see spill over into the main series. If, like, you know, like, Korvac and Regent and all these other guys are just going to show up and be like, hey, we've all decided we're not happy. Yeah, yeah just like kind of the strings tugging apart and stuff like that yeah speaking of secret wars um which i will be doing a lot of this week um amazing spider-man renew your vows number five written by dan slott art by adam kubert and scott Hanna, colors by justin ponzor for i mean look you and i grew up with married spider-man um this is a book about a spider-man who remained married had a kid it's not the normal status quo but for something that's not the normal status quo in a world where S.H.I.E.L.D. is run by a one-eyed Hawkeye and, you know, Mockingbird and Prowler are on the team and this new villain, Regent, is the main guy, this read still, like, about as perfect a Spider-Man comic as you're going to read. Spider-Man has been captured by Regent, this incredibly powerful villain who takes the powers of others. S.H.I.E.L.D. launches a final stand against him, but also the Parkers, Mary Jane and Annie, the daughter come to the rescue of spider-man the book's just got so much heart uh it's got so much just there there are bits of humor but there's so many like spider-man holding up the spider-man holding up the weight as the water's coming down moments when he's fighting regent regent is this villain who's great because he's powerful ridiculously so but not in a cosmic way in a very technological way which makes sense for spider-man so Getting to see Spider-Man, getting to see Mary Jane shine in this um, and really be the co-star, getting to see Spider-Man's daughter Annie, such a cool character, but ultimately getting to see Peter Parker with his family at his side be Spider-Man in the purest sense and take down Regent and reestablish, you know, this is who I am, this is what I do, this is why I do it, the way he beats Regent, the lesson he imparts to his family um the kind of schmaltzy happy ending all of it was so perfect and like really hit me not just as someone who took a while to become a spider-man fan i wasn't a spider-man fan when i was a kid but the part of me that was a spider-man fan when i was a kid and remembers this spider-man like this was such a nice end to that story and the art was gorgeous and it was beautiful it really made me feel good yeah i want to see like I would just love to have you know how Spider Girl spun mm-hmm. out of the what if I would, I lo- love I would this to spin if you gave out. me this yep. as like a side thing I'd be super happy. It's not so that Dan has the time to write another book, but no, he certainly does not. Yeah. yeah, but it would be great. 
All right, on to Civil War number four, written by Charles Soule, pencils by Linnell Francis Yu, color inks by Jerry Alanguilan, and colors by Sonny Go. Now, there's a big moment in here mm-hmm. in this issue that I'm pretty sure Charles told me about months ago, but I must have blocked it out because you you hit a point where there's a big revelation in this. Yeah, and I was oh so yeah. excited and surprised. And it made me go, of course. It also made me go like, oh, right, we didn't do that one for Secret Wars. Yes. Because it was one of the few. Yeah. And it was so great. It was just like damn near perfect. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, it made you feel the way you felt when it first happened all yes, over again. Totally. Um, so you've got this the the big divide between you know this domain. You've got the blue. You've got the iron. And... Uh, some crazy elements of the past couple issues have set things onto a course where they're going to go head-to-head. And Captain America has his secret, uh, or President Rogers mm. has his secret weapon to depower people. Uh, and he's well, Tony's the president. Is, is Rogers also, is Steve also a president? I think he's he a president. just like a general. I think he's just the general. He's just the general. Like, general America. Yeah, Steve Rogers. I guess he, he founded the Blue, but they... Call, at one point, he talks about being put in charge and all this stuff. I mean, he's in stuff. charge, but I feel like yeah. he has so much respect for the office that he would not uh, appoint himself president, whereas Tony would absolutely do it first thing. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, you've got, yeah, so General Rogers and President Stark uh, at loggerheads, right? That's a thing. Yeah, loggerheads, totally. Yeah. And, the old loggerhead match. Yeah, so they're they're basically marching towards war at the, the main uh, divide point, and The cool thing uh, throughout the issue is sort of counting down to the Battle of the Divide, Mm -hmm. you know, 10 hours, 4 hours, whatever it is. Uh, Giant pages. There's this double-page spread here which shows the scope of the force that um, the blue is bringing forth where you've got stature and uh, like a a giant man. That's such a good segue to go like speaking of the force – because we have a Star Wars comic now. Oh, right. But you should finish talking about Civil War Yeah, you should finish that first. Uh, and we've got Storm and all these other characters. But then you've got the Ironside, who has tons of heroes. Um, all this going on. We get the big revelation. And then, boom, right into the Battle of the Divide. It's going on for hours, which I think is, like, yep. terrifying. It Just to think about... You've got giant characters fighting. You've got Sentry here, Vision, Hercules, Beast, Magneto. Like, tons of heroes just beating the crap out of each other uh, all over. Who knows at this point? Like, it, it's a lot of it is sort of... We've been fighting for so long, we don't know what we're fighting about anymore. Right. Uh, and then Cap makes a big play right at the end. Yep. While he's doing that, Tony is figuring out some other stuff that... Both of them could end this in very different ways, yeah. and we'll see how it, it shakes out. So good. Yeah. So good. Uh, speaking of the Force, we've got Darth Vader, Perfect. number nine, written by Kieran Gillen, art by Salvador LaRocca, colors by Edgar Delgado. Uh, this is just a great issue called Shadows and Secrets. Yeah. Vader is putting things into places. He's maneuvering around. He's got this uh, this great character. Yeah, a lot of focus on this new character. Yeah. Imperial Inspector Thanoth. Great. Which uh, I'm doing this teeth whitening thing right now. Oh, I've, I've got these. They look great. Uh, eh, uh, yeah, I've got these like um, thing. You know. Uh, yeah. You put it on your teeth. Brian's, Brian's mouthing it very well. Right. I, I know what you're talking about by the hand motions you're making. Right. Whereas our listeners may not. They're but, molded to yeah. my to my teeth, right? Yeah. So, but when I put them in, 
I I talk like this a little bit because yeah. I can't get around it. But also, I instinct I can't stop doing a Dusty Roads. Oh. Like, yeah, hey, baby. hey Elizabeth, uh, we got to go down there and get this, and I can't help it. Uh, but anyway, so that sounds like if I was trying to say Thanos. Yeah. Thanos. So it's, it's Thanos. Th- that's dusty. That's how I got there. It's dusty for Thanos. Yes. We got it. Anyway. Very nice. Uh, we've got all kinds of stuff. Vader, you know, trying to... Uh, Vader is sort of running himself into a circle of lies mm. and killing a ton of people in order to cover up one lie and, you know, back up another. Fascinating. I mean, there's no remorse there, and it's great. Um, because Thanos is... Totally figuring it right. Can't unhear it. Uh, right? now. Can't, yeah, I can't, can't unhear it. it. Uh, uh, Thanos. <laughs> he's uh, Mr. T. Yeah, just call him that. Mr. T. Well, he he looks like yes. um, the character from what is that? Jumanji. I've never seen Jumanji. Oh man, I'm sorry. He's got uh, like or a monocle. It's, or it's sequel Zathura. Yeah, uh, he, known fact. He's got a monocle and a, a hat. Anyway, great mustache. He is. He knows Vader is. There's something off. Mm-hmm. He can't put it all together yet. He doesn't have all the evidence, and Vader is constantly like pushing him in different ways and, and trying to maneuver around. All that's going on, and uh, Vader's crew, Doctor Afra with the droids BT and Triple Zero, are off on another mission for him. One that by the end of this hints at some major crazy stuff that could be revealed for Vader. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, there's chaos. There's awesome battles. I mean, it's it's a killer book. It's so good. And I, you have to remember how many issues Salva and the art team are doing. Like, Kieran as well. Just bang, bang, bang. But yep. there's like, I don't know, like 18 issues come out, 16 issues that come out of this, this book per year. It comes out often. It's so detailed, so gorgeous. It's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Speaking of amazing, giant size, little Marvel AVX number four. That's just going to be our go-to is like, speaking of whatever yeah. was the last thing we were speaking of. Um, giant size, little Marvel AVX number four. Just everything you wanted it to be. Written and drawn by Scotty Young. Art uh, colors by Jean-Francois Bellieu. This has been three issues of the X-Men and... Um, I know you're looking for it it's further down because I put it under S because I, it's a long, complicated title. We'll explain what we're referring to in a moment. Um, it's been four issues of the Avengers and the X-Men having this great comedy war over these two twins they want to recruit. Just great sight gags and everything. It's actually a really hard book to recap because it's so much of it is visual. Yeah. Um, but the Guardians of the Galaxy show up and they want these twins. And then the Inhumans show up and they want these twins. And... Scotty has a lot of fun kind of poking fun via these two twins who everyone's trying to recruit at how crappy being a Marvel superhero might actually be, <laughs> uh, specifically the process of terrigenesis and becoming an inhuman. But also, you know, it takes some good shots at the X-Men and the Avengers as well. Um, the highlight of this whole thing for me, though, is these two double-page spreads where it's all Scotty Young, Young Variants, there's a Rich Rider Nova up in the corner, which made me so happy. But it's like characters you just you'd never thought you'd get to see Scotty draw in this style, whether it's Blade or whether it's Brother Voodoo. It took me a second. I was like, wait a minute. There are like uh, Doctor Strange is fighting uh, Doctor Voodoo. Yeah, they're, they're on the same side. And I thought I just stopped thinking it's about just, it. And it's just, just enjoy every, it. Well, it's I mean the whole message of this book is that these kids are just fighting constantly because that's what they do. But just oh man, just. 
getting to see Scotty go wild. Even this like crazy Sasquatch that he draws in the background. Yeah. Um, and then another team ends up butting their heads in. <laughs> and this is one case where I did not think the book was over. And when I saw the end, I was kind of surprised by it. Right? I was so, like, okay, the next issue will be... It's really messing that, with me. I love it. I it's love so it. much fun, though, man. That that I mean, when that book was pitched, that it's going to be a book set around Scotty's variant covers, you kind of like had a dream in your head of what it would be like. Mm-hmm. And it this... this ended up being exactly what I dreamed it would be. Yeah. And it was even better. That's great. So good. Yeah. Speaking of so good, we've got Journey to Star Wars, The Force Awakens, Shattered Empire, number one. That has three titles. You can understand why I initially filed this under S for Star Wars. Because the giant Star Wars. Because the giant Star Wars Oh, but no. No, there's a little Journey to the... I don't even know. Yeah. Well, yeah, so it's Journey to Star Wars, colon, The Force Awakens, dash, Shattered Empire. Yeah, but there's also, on the cover, it says Star Wars twice, so it's even... It does, it does. Uh, Anyway... The technical term from the cover would be Journey to Star Wars, The Force Awakens, Star Wars, Shattered Empire. Ooh, true, true. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway, this is written by Greg Rucka, art by Marco Cacchetto, colors by Andres Mosa, great cover by Phil Noto, but uh, we've got Punisher... Crew back together, mm. Roka, Kaketo, maybe Mosa. I feels like Mosa is probably on, yep. on Punisher. Anyway, that was a great run, and they dive headfirst into this. You open on a two-page splash that blows your mind. It's a big two-page splash set right at the end of Return of the Jedi. Yeah, it threw me for a sec because I assumed this book was going to be set like a couple years after or yep. something. I didn't realize they were going to pick up right during Return of the Jedi. Yeah, I mean, it's like, boom, you've got Vader and Luke fighting. You've got the attack on the uh, on the second Death Star happening. All this is going on, but uh, you peel back from that first two-page spread to reveal this new character. Uh, you know, her name is Shanna. Um, sorry, it's Shara Bay. Uh, Shara Bay is part of the Green, Green Squadron uh, fighting the Empire right at the end of Return of the Jedi. She's, I think, Green 4. Uh, and, you know, if you watch all the Star Wars movies, you've got, you know, Red Leader and Blue Leader and Green and Yellow and all, you know, all the colors as they, the different squadrons, you know, doing their attacks and, and battling these giant, crazy space battles. Um, but we really dive right into her and what she, her part in this whole thing. So um, she's great. Boom, boom, boom. We, we see from her perspective the end of that giant battle out in space as, uh, you know, they, the win, they win. The Rebels win. The second Death Star is destroyed. Yeah. Oh, oh. You know, we don't do spoilers on this show. No, we don't but... do spoilers on the show, except for movies that came out like 30 years ago. Yeah. So we'll give it a pass. Um, but as this is all winding down, it seems that a lot of the uh, soldiers and the fighters are heading down to the forest moon of Endor to celebrate. But we learn that Shara, her husband, was also in the battle. He was actually part of, uh, like, a special, I think they were called the Pathfinders, yeah. uh, who worked with um, uh, Lando and uh, with Han. And, and, you know, basically, they were it's a nice way plowing to get, through. It's also a nice way to get the main characters, like, in the book. Like, 
are focus characters or these cool new characters, but it's a nice way to like, well, yeah, she has to go talk to Han and Lando to find yeah, out yeah. where her husband is. Totally. So it's a nice way to get them in the book. Yeah. So we get to see uh, Marco Coquetto draw celebrations on, uh, hmm. on Endor, and it's like, oh, my God. Hmm. Makes me so happy because I love the Ewoks. I love seeing, like, I can hear the song, a lot of awful people. people, Like, some terrible humans. From what I understand, there, yeah, a lot of people don't like Ewoks. Yeah. Uh, But you get really great celebration stuff where you get to see Shara looking for her husband. We get Lando and Han, you know, being snarky to each other. It's terrific. Uh, Thankfully, because I was was like, oh, God, this this could go terribly. Oh, yeah. For her, I was expecting this to zig where it zagged for sure. And yeah, I still, am expecting it to in the second issue. Yes, uh, so we get to see she finds her husband. He's safe. They're good. You get some smoochy time, presumably some bone zone action. Yep. Uh, implied bone zone. For yeah, sure. yeah, total implied bone, implied bone zone. Uh, but it's the day after. So mm-hmm. Return of the Jedi ends with celebrations and everybody's happy. So now we're getting into the period between Return of the Jedi and the Episode new 7 that are coming. Yeah, The Force Awakens. This is the journey yeah. to The Force Awakens. We are on the road to the journey to The Force yes. Awakening Star Wars. This is like the road to WrestleMania. So I was just that was, uh, that was the illusion I was going yes. for. Yes. Uh, and there at the end of Return of the Jedi, everything is like everybody's celebrating good. Here, we the next day, they find out, okay, I think it makes a total bunch of sense. There's uh, a garrison of Empire troops on the planet. They don't want to leave them there with the Ewoks because the Ewoks were great yeah. and they helped the rebels in a big way, sure. but they're probably going to get slaughtered if the rebels aren't around. Right. They're like pawns in chess. They have their purpose. <laughs> Furry, but, chubby, little, adorable yeah, pawns. You, they have their purpose, but if you throw them out there, they're going to get <laughs> killed by everybody. Um, so the 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 rebels are like, okay, let's go take down this uh, this this Empire squad, and you know, make sure we clean this place up and see if we can learn anything. And boom, great, cool action scene stuff that, you know, we have no prior knowledge of. Really cool stuff, laying it down, and sets off what will probably be a crazy adventure because we find out it's not over yet. Yeah. And There's more to be done. This is, in canon, this is going to help us bridge from yeah. Return of the Jedi to Force Awakens in a major way. What a cool gig too for like Greg and Marco and all those guys to be basically like you get to write the official canon of what happened between the Star Wars movies. Yeah, there's a couple of like like the the amount of what is officially canon now is small. Very so small. getting to be able to do that, you know, from this team to the yeah. Vader team to the Star Wars like all these crews super cool. All right, jumping back to Secret Wars, uh Korvac Saga, the final issue number 4 written by Dan Abnett, art by Otto Schmidt. Colors by Chris Peter. I gotta say, this was maybe one of the... This was like a a, a surprise gem for me during Secret Wars. Which sounds weird saying it because it's Dan Abnett. It's cosmic stuff. It's Guardians. Like, it's it's right in my wheelhouse. But I wasn't expecting to like this book as much as I liked it. Um, I really, really dug it. I really like Otto Schmidt's art. I'm glad he's sticking around and doing more for us. Um, The character of Korvac has always fascinated me because... He's just this godlike creature who would much rather just lead a normal life but can't because of circumstances. Once again here, we go with the theme of a baron who is going to oppose doom. 
um, because he knows things aren't right. We learn the mystery of what was causing this like crazy insanity virus that was screwing with everyone the last few issues, and it all ties back to Korvac. And then it basically ends up being a Korvac versus the Avengers and the original Guardians issue, which is a nice throwback because that's the original Korvac saga from the 70s and or 80s. I don't remember exactly when it <laughs> happened. But just like that, it's brutally violent. And I also really like where the Guardians end up getting left at the end of this. And I really, really hope they find their way into the main book because they could play a pretty cool part. And this is like the original Guardians of the Galaxy. We're talking like Starhawk and Major Victory and Martin X and Nikki and all of them. So Charlie 27, is Charlie. he there? Did he make it? Charlie 27 made it. Gina made it. I also love Yondu that Hercules calls him Charles. Yeah, I like that Hercules calls him Charles. I like uh, Yondu's little thing with um, Black Panther. Yeah. I like Black Widow's rivalry with Nikki. I like Wonder Man being a jerk. Um, the Thors, everything. Just This was a really just standout book. If you guys missed this because, I don't know, I feel like for some reason it wasn't one of the more high-profile ones, it was really good, and you yeah. should definitely check it out. Korvac, so nuanced in that book, too. Yeah, yeah. And, and we'll get to see more uh, Abnet Guardian stuff coming up post-Secret um, Wars, so hopefully he'll get to pull on some of these threads again. Um, Marvel Universe Avengers Assemble Season 2, number 11. I don't know if we're running down to the end of Season 2 here, but this adapts the episode Widow's Run, written by Eugene Sun, um, art from Marvel Animation, and adapted by our good buddy Joe Caramagna. Yeah. All right, we've got Mrs. Deadpool and the Howling Commandos, number four, written by Jerry Duggan, art by Salva Espin, and colors by Val Staples. Uh, this was great. Yeah. But also Super Bummer Town. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. But, like, that kind of Jerry Duggan specialty uh, funny Bummer Town. Yeah. I mean, good Lord. Yeah. It's just big old battles. You've got Shikla with her uh, Howling Commando crew. They are going toe-to-toe with Dracula and his vampire army. And she's got this crazy uh, staff of something or other that she's using this this crazy the scepter of the manticore the manticore yeah which gotta fear the manticore yeah basically has like super light sunlight in it mm-hmm. basically mm-hmm. and so they're battling for control of you know the the monsteropolis or whatever the basically the monster population of battle world monster they're, metropolis yeah Monsteropolis seems pretty good. I like Monsteropolis better. It lives underneath Manhattan, much as it does in our Marvel universe. Um, But you've got uh, Frankenstein's monster wearing a cape and just punching and being awesome. You've got, you know, Jack, uh, the the werewolf dude. Jack Russell. Jack Russell, living mummy. Um, You've got Man-Thing, Marcus the Roman centaur. Marcus the Roman centaur and living mummies, whatever is going on. It just just made me me so happy. happy. Oh, my God. So good. And then, of course, everything goes uh, pear-shaped, and it's just violent and bloody and nightmarish and insane. Yep. It is terrific. Finally, also, Shikla sees Deadpool. So Deadpool has been the ghost ghost narrator of the entire series because, remember, Deadpool is dead. Yep. Died right before Secret Wars, and we've got this. So Shikla is like, hey, I see you. And Deadpool's like, you are great. Don't do what you're thinking of doing, which is going to over uh, overtake Doom. Yep. That will not end well. And she's like, you're a jerk. You suck. You're yeah. boring. Why did I marry you? 
in not so many words. Yeah, not not good though. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't good for the two of them. And Deadpool's like, Bleh. he doesn't want to see this. And then you get to see Salva toss in a ton of really cool um, Thors. Thors. You've got design, yeah. Jordan D. White Thor. You've got the Lizard Thor. You've got. I didn't a, see Jordan D. White Thor. Where is he? He's right here. Oh my God! He's, he's with the, the mustache. Thor. He's my new favorite. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you've got the Nova Thor. I mean, you just got a ton of Thors. And Where's Nova Thor? Right here. How did I not see any of these? Oh, my God. These are, like, best Thors ever. Yeah. Uh, it's really great. Like a, a monkey Thor, uh, like an orc Thor. I love it. Love it, love it, love it. I, was, I mean, the main Thor that leads yes. them is so cool that I think I was just blinded by that. Oh, yeah. He's the only guy I'm looking at. Totally. I get it. But you got to look deeper. got to look deeper. And then uh, just a big old battle happens, and... I mean, fought the law. The law wins. The law wins. That's how it goes. So it goes. Yes. All right. So it goes. Speaking of, uh, (laughs) there was nothing there. It's good. It's good enough. Uh, We've got Ms. Marvel, number 18, written by G. Willow Wilson, art by Adrian Alfona, colors by Ian Herring. Another issue I thought, this is the end. Uh, Yeah. But it is not. Oh, yeah. Um, well, this is the last days, so yeah. this is, uh, you know, we're still in the Marvel Universe before everything went terrible. Yes. So we pick up and we find uh, Kamala Khan's brother is sort of like in this state of not terrigenesis because he's not being cocooned, but right. something is going on. He's got this like crazy Some mist sort of stuff. Like bootleg, inhuman mist. Yeah. Like it's it's not true terrigen mist. Yeah. Uh, and so Cameron, the the boy that the jerk. Kamala was into, old yep. family friend who turned out to be a super inhuman jerk, mm-hmm. uh, is trying to inhuman in more ways than one. Ayo, he's trying to kickstart Amir, who yep. was Kamala's brother, kickstart what he believes to be his uh, turning into yeah. an inhuman. So if you want to donate to him? Just you know, head over because he's trying to kickstart uh, oh, this whole deal. Boy. And I understand. There's oh some boy. You get, like, Terrigen if you give $5. Oh, boy. Uh, anyway, there's this crazy battle. Uh, Kamala's also rolling with uh, Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. So there's just tons of awesome stuff in here. Amir wakes up. He does have powers. Yeah. So there's this big mystery of... How did he get powers? What, what are these? Yeah, what is going on? How is he going to deal with all this? Right. Um, is he an inhuman? Yeah. A lot of stuff going... I just don't know. I don't know any of it. Uh, big mystery for for all the characters in here. Uh, Amir beats up um, Cameron. It's it all good. Great. It was great to see. It was a really good, you know, like end to that part of it. But the story's not over. Yeah. Uh, Kamala has to get her brother back to safety. He, she has to deal with the chaos that is happening throughout Jersey City because it's just getting worse. Just getting worse. Uh, the end of the world is happening, and she has been dealing with this one problem, but. There are so many more that she has to tackle, and that's when Captain Marvel says goodbye. She she has to. She's like, I wanted to spend some time with you uh, to figure, you know, see how this is going. But I've got to take care of the end of the world. Yeah, big business. Uh, amazing, really sweet and awesome, touching stuff between Carol and uh, Kamala. Yeah, this whole team up's been great because it's like the moments of Kamala being in awe of Carol are balanced by the moments of Carol just being impressed by Kamala. Yeah. They really feel like, not equals, definitely not equals, but like the dynamic shifted over the course of just how great Kamala is. Yeah. There's a uh, a bit of inner monologue from Kamala after Carol leaves, mm-hmm. and I really like it. She thinks, 
Carol Danvers, 100% different and 100% more awesome than I ever imagined. And it's just sort of like your heroes aren't probably going to be what you think them to be. Sometimes but, they're even better. Yeah, or you know, it could be different and could still be fantastic. Yeah. Uh, so we back up from all the superheroing and all the craziness to you know some of my favorite parts of this series, which are the the family parts. Yeah. As Kamala is talking to her brother, is talking to her friends, talking to her parents, and some big stuff right in the last couple pages, especially that final splash Huge page. Stuff. And I was like, what? Yeah. Speaking of splash pages, I know there are a couple of them in uh, Planet Hulk number five, written by Slam and Sammy Humphreys, art by Mark Lemming, colors by Jordan Boyd. At the conclusion of last issue, uh, Steve Rogers got some really bad news from the Red King. Um, I've got some bad news. <laughs> if they made a movie, a direct-to-DVD movie of... Um, this Planet Hulk series, I think Wade Barrett could definitely play Red King. That would be amazing. Look at him. He looks, he looks just like him. I'm, I'm upset he doesn't do the bad news gimmick anymore. Uh, I feel like he will again. I feel like it's just a matter of time. Um, anyways, uh, Steve does not take the news well, as to be expected. <laughs> um, this is a really violent... Mark Lamming really gets to show off his chops as far as drawing... Violence? Violence and <laughs> gore and fight scenes. Then... A nice little flashback with Steve and Bucky. And then we finally learn the secret of Doc Green. And it is not at all what I expected. Did you see this coming? No. Okay, so it's not at all what I expected. We learned the secret of Doc Green. I thought it was our Doc Green. I thought it was... I mean, I bought into the prevailing kind of theory that I see on the internet that it was was Bucky. That it was going to end up being Bucky. But this is great explanation. Um... And the whole, it's just this, amidst all this fighting and blood and everything, there's questions of like, do emotions make you weak? Do you need to give in to the monster inside of you? It's really about the man and the monster. It's really Sam tackling some heady stuff, Steve making some decisions he can't take back, uh, devil dinosaur eating a lot of people, a lot of hulks, throwing them around, and then thus endeth the chronicle. (laughs) And that's it. That's it for Planet Hulk this time around. The, the the emotion though that they put into Devil Dinosaur. Oh yeah, like it's just really, he leaps off the page. Just really well drawn too. I, Mark Lyman really impressed me with this. I mean, he he did a good job on what we've seen on so far, like you know doing pinch hitting for other books. But he really uh, stepped his game up to another level on this yes. book. And speaking of stepping your game up, that's something the character of Quake has been doing as of late, and continues to do in her own 50 Years of S.H.I.E.L.D. one-shot, written by Matthew Rosenberg and Patrick Kindlin, and drawn by Daniel Warren Johnson. This is a flashback to around the time Daisy Johnson as Quake joined the Avengers, uh, just before. In this case, she actually goes on a mission with the Avengers when she's still part of S.H.I.E.L.D. She does not get along with Tony Stark. She does get along with Steve Rogers and has various interactions with various other characters. Um, they're going on a raid against AIM. They're also dealing with some inhuman shenanigans. And this is all told from Quake's perspective. Uh, we get insight into her character, particularly the inhuman aspect of it, which is something that, of course, originated on Marvel Agents of the Shield, but now is part of what's going on here. It's kind of cool to see the character, the TV character and the comics character be drawn together in a very organic way. 
something that doesn't overrule everything that was done before. And uh, we learn a lot about Daisy, who she is, and um, who who she models herself out after, and who she chooses to stand behind in this issue, and a lot about her values. And really, really cool art by Daniel Warren Johnson. Yeah. Great stuff. A um, couple of fun facts about this. Yep. Uh, Patrick Kinlan, one mm. of the co-writers. Well, Matthew Rosenberg, friend of mine. Yeah. I've um, uh, known him for a while now. Very excited to see him getting more Marvel work. Uh, Patrick Kinlan, a buddy, uh, is the singer for a band called um, uh, uh, Self-Defense Family. Very cool. Uh, which is terrific. Their, their last record, which came out this year, a couple months ago, uh, has a bunch of songs about comic book stuff. Mm. There's a song called, I think, Dave Sim. There's a song called Ditko, if I remember correctly. Nice. Uh, and it's an amazing record. Yeah. Um, but uh, Patrick is bananas and mm. really smart, really cool. I love seeing that. There's actually, if cool. anyone out there knows anything about uh, New York hardcore music history, there are two characters in this book, two S.H.I.E.L.D. agents named after... Um, seminal New York hardcore oh, nice. legendary people, which nice. no one will get except for those of us who grew up in the scene, uh, which I had a big chuckle over. Anyway, hmm. speaking of big chuckles, we're on to Red Skull number three. Oh, such a chuckle. Such a chuckle. Yeah. Uh, written by Josh Williamson, art by Luca Pizzari, colors by Rain Barreto. Yeah. Uh, and this is the Deadlands. Uh, Red Skull has convinced Magneto to join him, to join the uh, the Annihilation Wave creatures, to join some guess what they're gonna do. zombies, and they are storming the shield. Yeah, but guess what their ultimate goal is? That's right, taking out Doom, <laughs> yeah. just like everybody else. I mean, look, to be the man, you got to beat, beat the man. The man. And, and Doom that's, is the man. Doom is the man. Uh, so you've got this big Storming the Shield uh, initiative going on, and Abigail Brand is, you know, as we'll see in another book, she's right at the top there, and she's got uh, countermeasures. And these countermeasures are giant sentinels, and it's just... Sentinels are, are used a lot. Sometimes, like, new X-Men, terrifying. And other places, terrifying. Some places, they're just like, oh, these giant robots that get destroyed in two seconds. Here, they are scary. They're really, really dangerous and destroy the crap out of this uh, this invading force uh, to the point where there's just Red Skull uh, and Magneto are seemingly left. And Magneto, in such a delicious twist, is now... Uh, devoid yeah. of skin and is now a Red Skull his own. We're very well done. Yes. Good voice yes. for that. Uh, and so you've got Magneto uh, getting really angry and going to take down Red Skull and then boom, um, Red Skull does what you would expect him to do yep. to turn on Magneto. Yep. And it's gory and violent and uh, fitting end for um, pretty much everyone by the end of this book. Yeah. Uh, I really dug the way it sort of shook out right at the end. And this was the last issue. That was the, the final. Final one. Speaking of last issues. Yeah, we've got Secret Wars 2099, number five, written by Peter David, art by Will Sliney, colors by Antonio Fabela. And uh, this is the big old. Uh, throw down as the Avengers and the Defenders of 2099 must come together to um, stop the uh, the descendant of Baron Mordo, who is just uh, taking this crazy dimension twisting thing, basically a, a device that is uh, against Doom's laws. Yeah, it was a big part of the original Spidey 2099 series, as I recall. Hmm. 
That's awesome. This technology. Well, and I love then that it's brought into into Battle World and sort of utilized in a, in a way that makes a ton of sense. Um, the uh, the two teams have to come together because um, the the Mordo dude summons this uh, the Dweller Lord in darkness. the darkness. Real character. So cool. Legit. Very uh, Lovecraftian, mm-hmm. awful nightmarish thing. Which um, basically it's like a. a demon that specializes in generating fear and can you know make you see fear and eats it and uh, it's just yeah. this horrible there's this great panel right here like there's oh yeah i mean will's art terrific throughout but there's one panel who's got the colors on this book uh, antonio fabella okay. and um, good job by him. it's so good as the the iron man character is fighting the dweller in darkness it's just uh there's they use oranges really well, and it's a ver- uh, horizontal panel. Beautiful. Like, yeah. I want that panel blown up as, like, a giant poster. So cool. Uh, but this battle rages, and uh, you get Hercules as a supporting character through a bunch of these issues. It's terrific. Yeah. Really, really great. He, uh, you know, fights the, the fight here and is able to stop uh, Mordo, but that doesn't stop Dweller in Darkness. How do they do it? No spoilers, but it made me super happy. It was a really, really cool way to to take out that monstrosity. Um, and it's it sort of all wrapped up in a really great way. Uh, also with some flesh eating right yeah. uh, before the end. Just the way you want. Um, speaking of Abigail Brand from back two issues ago, you were referring to Siege. Siege number three, written by Kieran Gillen. Art by Felipe Andrade, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, and some nice double-page splashes by Julian Totino Tedesco, Juan Jose Rip, and Michael W.M. Caluta. So we have got Nick Fury has returned. Uh, Nick Fury was the one-time leader of the S.H.I.E.L.D. Now he has been merged, and I can't believe no one's ever done this before. I'm sure someone has thought of doing this before. The character of The Fury has been merged with Nick Fury, so now he's Nick the Fury. It makes perfect sense because Kieran, being a British man, mm-hmm. uh, probably read Loves Captain Britain and, and the Fury was probably yeah. terrified by it. You, how dare you skip over uh, from Tedesco's splash, two-page splash, the... Um, all the one? no the the cats oh yeah the, well, they're, they're like beast cats beast cats oh my god yeah. i loved it so much yeah it's uh, all the art stuff here is good i mean one of the big draws of this book was getting these people to come in and do these crazy double page spreads you've got one jose rip doing another one where it's you know like the ultron horde attacking and all sorts of good stuff um it's the karen gillen all-stars of abigail brand uh, and then characters like leah and magic play a role unit is awesome in here there's two units they're called unite they're in love with each other they're robots they're robots in love it's beautiful it's heartbreaking it's very gillen-esque um to coin a phrase we have kang um living up to his own hype we have you know coming up with ways to stop the fury we've got hundreds of summers brothers giving their lives and then just when it seems the day has been saved and this book was coming to an end, I totally forgot. Yeah, same here. Yep, I forgot that there was something forecast earlier that needed to happen, and it happened. Someone shows up at the end of this book who was promised to show up just when we thought they had, you know, nothing could be worse than Nick the Fury and Ultron and everything else. Nope, there's something worse, and he is waiting for them, and there's one day until the fall of the shield, and there is no 
It was horrifying. It was yeah. really well done. Uh, kudos to that team. Yeah, very well done. A lot of good books this week. I really like Giant Size Little Marvel. I really liked Korvac Saga. A bunch of stuff on the other side. Quake actually came out of nowhere to kind of grab my eye. But I'm going to go with Amazing Spider-Man Renew Your Vows number five. Nice. That's my tour of the week. Yeah. Uh, all those definitely up there for me. Um, my pick is Journey to Star Wars The Force Awakens Star Wars Shattered Empire. Great. And I will now write all of that when I write up the summary for this. <laughs> All right, collections on sale this week. We've got Avengers, Time Runs Out, Volume 1, in trade. Luke Cage, Second Chances, in trade. Dude, that has some crazy stuff in it. Is that the 90s series? That is the 90s series. I am going to read the crap out of that. Um, Stephen King, Dark Tower, Drawing of the Three, House of Cards. It's out in trade, gang. And Superior Iron Man Volume 2, Stark Contrast, is out in hardcover. Yeah. Uh, digital comics on sale this week. We've got uh, the books we talked about, as well as Ultimate Spider-Man Infinite Comic Number 14. Uh, also on the Marvel app, uh, we've got the first 12 issues of the 90s Cage series. So if you're on nice. the fence about getting the collection, you can get the first issue. Is there issue. more than 12 issues? Do we know? I don't I have no know. idea. I don't know how long that book lasts. Well, I don't remember. Well, the trade says volume one. Oh, yes. Maybe there's a volume two. I, I well, think yeah, it lasted longer. Just... The 90s books could last a lot longer. That's true. That's true. Sleepwalker was like 30-something issues long. <sighs> Shed a tear for Sleepwalker. Good old days. Yeah. Uh, you also got Thunderbolts issues 106 through 109 and 122 through 129. And uh, a whole bunch of what-ifs. We've got what-if Captain America, what-if Daredevil, what-if Fantastic Four, what-if Submariner, what-if Thor, what-if Wolverine, all from 2005. I'm not positive what those are. I remember the Wolverine one has something to do with Dokken, I think, hmm. if I recall correctly. Rockin' with Dokken. that's all I remember. Yeah. Uh, digital collections on the app this week. Iron Man, Director of S.H.I.E.L.D., Iron Man, Legacy of Doom, Luke Cage, Second Chances, Volume 1. There again. Marvel's Captain America, The Winter Soldier, Prelude, New Warriors Classic, Volume 2, Power Man and Iron Fist, The Comedy of Death, Punisher Dead End, and Superior Iron Man, Volume 2, Stark Contrast. Wow. Uh, Freshly digitized on the app this week. We got 28 books added to Unlimited this week. Uh, we've got All New X-Men number 39 and Guardians Team-Up number 3. Those are both Black Vortex parts. We've got Amazing Spider-Man number 16, Amazing Spider-Man Special uh, number 1, The Inhuman Error, which yeah, is uh, Jeff Loveness. There was a really great really uh, three-part story, so I definitely suggest you check that out. Howard the Duck number 1 is now on Unlimited. All New Hawkeye number 1. Angela, Asgard's Assassin, uh, number four. We've got Avengers, number 42. Uh, Avengers World, number 18. So Time Runs Out books are in there. You've got Hulk, number 12. Iron Fist, The Living Weapon, number 10. Ant-Man, uh, Marvel's Ant-Man Prelude, number two. Operation Sin, number three. You have the first issue of Princess Leia, wow. limited series in there. That's cool. You got Return of the Living Deadpool, uh, number two, I think. Uh, the, the title is too long for it to display normally on here, so I'm guessing. I think it's number two. Uh, Rocket Raccoon, number nine. Spider Woman, number five, uh, which I think that's the first uh, New issue. Yeah. New Direction, Javier Rodriguez, Rodriguez art. Yeah, so yep. amazing. Really, really good. Good place to start. Totally. Uh, Wolverines, number nine. X-Men, number 25. You've got Dark Reign, the Goblin Legacy, uh, which is 
I mean, that's a classic one. Uh, you got Avengers Celestial Quest. It looks like the oh, entire yeah. series of that one. That was a book. Yeah, definitely happened from uh, 2001. So all those in there rounds up to 28 issues this week. Pretty impressive. Totally. We had some news in the world of comics and games. Uh, big news last week. We announced there's going to be a Weird World ongoing series. So yeah. if you guys are enjoying the current Weird World series, Mike Del Mundo going to stick around, going to keep providing the art, which he was just born to do. And it is going to be written not by Jason Aaron. He's handing the baton off to our buddy Sam Humphreys. Yes. Um, and Archon will not be the lead character. It's going to be a new character named Becca, who sounds very interesting. Uh, we did an interview last week with Sam. And uh, I don't think we had any comments from Mike, but we got a lot of great art from Mike. So check that out. Weird World. It is coming this fall as part of all new, all different Marvel. Do we know who's editing that? I do not know who is editing Weird World. Because um, if it were Nick Lowe or maybe even Chris Robinson, mm. uh, they are the most musically – or Jordan, mm. most musically inclined of the editors. So they could perhaps write a, – I want uh, a Weird World as the – to the tune of Wayne's World. Wayne's World. And they would, yeah, that would be pretty great. You know, we could do it. Yeah, we, we could totally do it. For that. We yeah. can do that. That's, 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 a, that's a softball. Totally. Um, the coolest news of last week by far is these Marvel 92 variants <laughs> that you tipped me off to a while ago. I have so many ideas of things I want to do with this. Um, yeah, if you like X-Men 92, get ready for covers celebrating the golden age, the true golden age of comics with Thunderstrike and... Hulk 2099 and all your favorites coming at you this December. The best is they're called Marvel 92 variants. Oh, they're not all from 92. They are. Though, yeah. I am, let's lay that out right on the table now. Dude, Dale Keown drawing uh, Professor Hulk. Yeah. Ugh. We so got good. so many like good old school artists too. Ron Friends, like all these. Ron Lim guys. doing old school version of Drax. Yeah, Will Sportacio was in there. Yeah. Uh, I forget who he was drawing. Um, I know Diodato did like a symbiotes cover. Yeah. Oh, it's really good. Very cool. Forget that Diodato was around back then. Yeah, his it's style has changed so much. Changed. He's so much better. Yeah. Like he was good, but I he's wish he'd, phenomenal. I kind of wish he'd done this in his old style though, just for the heck of it. I think I'm okay with yeah, it. Yeah, I think I am too. Uh, over in games, as we told you guys last week on the podcast, uh, Marvel Puzzle Quest has added Silver Surfer. So he is out there now, the first official five-star character now playable on Marvel Puzzle Quest. And over in Spider-Man Unlimited, they're kicking off their Spider Island event. So there's a lot of new people to play as. You can play as Mary Jane for the first time. Uh, you can play as Black Cat, Silver Sable. A lot of cool stuff going on in Spider-Man Unlimited. Yeah. Tons of stuff happening. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's a big Tons old week. All right. Uh, so, Ben, uh, welcome back. Since you've been out, we've Thanks. been working with the fine folks at Squarespace to help people make awesome, easy websites. Can you imagine the Nova site you could have made years ago had you had access to Squarespace? There's no knowledge of HTML needed, and you would have been able to whip up a really rad fan site in minutes because they have incredibly simple and powerful tools built into the platform. And like the Nova Core, Squarespace is hella safe and super stable. Millions of people use Squarespace every day, and it makes perfect sense. It's fast, simple, safe, and awesome. They're your plans start at just $8 a month, and you can get a free domain if you sign up for a year. Start your free trial site today with no credit card required at Squarespace.com. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, and you will, make sure to use the offer code MARVEL to get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace. Build it beautiful. All right. Before we throw it to the West Coast... 
We're going to kick it off with uh, actually another West Coast piece, uh, Dave yeah. Mandel interview. Strami, we sent him on assignment to talk to Dave Mandel about uh, Hank Johnson, agent of Hydra. And uh, he had a really great conversation with him. He was really excited about it. And uh, we are, too. So we're going to give you the quick interview. It's like 12, 15 minutes. And then we're going to go over to the West Coast. And then we're going to come back with This Week in Marvel questions and comments. Hello there, This Week in Marvelites. This is Marvel.com editor Mark Strom joining us for a special segment from Los Angeles. I am here talking with Dave Mandel, writer of Secret Wars, Hank Johnson, Agent of Hydra. Uh, wait, yes, I said that right? I think so. All right, yes. <laughs> for, for, I'm so used to saying Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I that, like, I, <laughs> Agent of Hydra came out and I'm like, wait, that's not... No, okay. Yeah, that's right. Uh, as well as uh, being the executive producer on HBO's Veep. How are you doing today, Dave? I am good. A little tired, but good. <laughs> <laughs> now, I read uh, Hank Johnson a day or two ago uh, in preparation for this, and I thought it was fantastic. And I thought... Now, I've never it, read it. It came out okay? It came out great. Okay, it came out great. Wait, you, <laughs> you read when you wrote it, right? I didn't write it either. I subcontracted out, but I, I hear it's great. <laughs> fantastic. Now, I remember hearing that this one shot, even though it's uh, ostensibly a Secret Wars tie-in, is actually something you came up with like quite a while ago, wasn't it? Yeah, it's kind of an odd story. Um, about a million years ago, uh, around uh, like gosh, ninety-eight or so, mm-hmm. when uh, uh, Jimmy Palmiotti and Joe Casada were came in back to Marvel and did Marvel Knights, right. um, I got to know them a little bit uh, through comic art collecting. I, I'm a huge collector of uh, the original hand-drawn like comic art pages right. of that make up the books. And they had been working with Kevin Smith, and they were doing Daredevil, which obviously was so amazing. And they were looking to, I think, buy him a gift. I can't even remember all the details. We kind of got to know each other. Right. Um, and through that, you know, they were doing all these different things, you know, obviously some, you know, more beloved than others, you know, and Punishers and Angel and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. But, uh, you know, that part didn't happen. Um, but uh, so they were looking for, you know, definitely like new ideas and new takes on things. And I had this. I had this idea, sort of, which was sort of the uh, the, the the life of an everyday Hydra agent. Um, and I pitched the idea, and everyone seemed to like it. And we, I, I wrote up a proposal, and I spoke with uh, uh, Axel Alonso, who was a brand new employee at Marvel mm-hmm. at the time. And then through a variety of things, I, you know, never there was never like a definitive answer. Although somewhere in there, I heard a crazy story that like. Uh, Someone had gotten upset about like Mar- um, Nick Fury's uh, depiction in the Max Fury series, and that you know it was like we can't we can't we can't insult Nick Fury, we can't right. we can't do weird things to Nick Fury, and so somewhere along the way, the notion of I think a comedy book went out the window, um, and then basically you know almost twenty years later. Right. Um, I got a, uh, an email out of the blue almost from Axel Alonso basically saying, did I still have that proposal from all those years ago? Uh, and would I be interested? And the answer was, you know, yes and yes. Um, and luckily, so much of what I had come up with 
perfectly fit in with what Jonathan Hickman had come up with for Secret Wars. Right. Because, I mean, it's the most essential tie-in you'll ever see <laughs> to the Secret Wars story. I mean, you cannot, I, you cannot read Secret Wars. I, you can't understand Secret Wars. Oh, wait. I, actually, I, you can. I, I actually heard there was some bad blood between you and Hickman because he accused he, you. Uh, uh, you accused him of actually plagiarizing Hank Johnson for the main plot of Secret Those Wars. Those of you reading Secret Wars will soon find out just how key Hank Johnson is <laughs> to the resolution of the of why Doctor Doom's costume is all white. I think uh, <laughs> that, it's very tied in. No, I, it, all kidding aside, uh, I think it's just simply that is it Battle World? Is that what it's? Yes, is that what yep. it's all? being called yep. the Thor police and whatever. Yep. I think the, the fact that there is now a world made up of all these different worlds from different Earths and different dimensions and different times and whatnot allows us to have a tiny little corner of my Marvel universe, which is sort of circa 1998, where Nick Fury is Caucasian and an eye patch and all that kind of stuff. And uh, it's it's about as far away on Battle World from anything going on in Secret Wars that's humanly possible. It's the it's the Australia of Battle World. It's the other side of the earth, basically. I just the one thing I appreciated as I was reading and as it was framed as a uh, you know a Secret Wars tie-in sure. was was all the other books are like set on like you know you've got like a Planet Hulk that's like this bleak landscape and you've got age of apocalypse which is another bleak landscape and you've got manhattan over here and then you've got the suburbs yeah over here in hank johnson it's the suburbs of battle world the people on the people in hank johnson's battle world uh i'm not sure they know secret wars is going on right now um as far as they know things are pretty cool it's kind of okay uh it's just you know it's still 98 or so so that's that's for them and just time never really moved forward that's uh that's the key to my secret wars time <laughs> As And as I was reading it, I don't know if you necessarily consciously wrote it this way, but felt like it was structured almost as sort of a series of 21-page gags, where it was like, it, it almost felt like each page was sort of its own comic strip in and of itself. I know what you're saying, and I guess I never thought of it that way, but when I did break down the story... I guess I was somewhat conscious of I, I very much I, I approached it and not surprisingly like a, like a TV show. I approached right. it like I'm writing the pilot for the Hank Johnson, you know, episodic show that doesn't exist Ye- yet. You know, I know people yet. over at Marvel Television. <laughs> yeah, Jeff Loeb. If you yet. want. Yet. You want yeah. Pass along your business card. Exactly. <laughs> um, so I definitely approached it like very uh, in, a, in, a, in a very similar way that I would approach any outline for anything I was doing. And I had sort of, you know, this is a scene and this is a scene and this is a scene. And then I think I very much just very naturally sort of said to myself, okay, this is this scene deserves a page and this scene deserves two pages. And very much as I was sort of doing these scenes, I very much, you know, I sort of followed a rule that was kind of taught to me, gosh, back in the Seinfeld days, which is every scene has to serve a purpose. Every scene moves the plot along a certain amount. Mm-hmm. And you try and, you know, if, if you can, you try and end on a joke or you try and end on something that throws it into the next scene. So I think very much as these sort of page, two-page things kind of came together, it kind of gives you that feel. But I was thinking of it from a scene perspective and not necessarily yeah. from an individual sketch perspective. But hopefully it all fits together into an overall sort of structure. No, I mean, it's, yeah. I think it's very much, like I said, like I think you... How do I say this? If you if you read the comic 
and you feel like, oh, I, it reminds you of Curb Your Enthusiasm. That's not a bad thing where I come from. So how's that for an answer? No, but yeah. I, mean, I mean, for me, it reminded me of like old, like crazy cat, like oh, comics. Oh, my gosh. Where, like, with wow. like each page being its own thing, but like a serialized form of crazy cat. I'm not going to say like no. That. I'm not going to say no to anything. <laughs> Anytime you want to mention like one of the building blocks of uh, strip art, I'll say, okay, that's good, with, good for me. Yeah. Now you're yes, I meant to do everything you thought I did. Yes. <laughs> now, you talked uh, earlier about the fact that you collect art. Yes. Like, what are some of the gems in your collection? Um, gosh, what are some of the gems in my collection? Um, some of my favorites, um, certainly on the Marvel side, um, I'm a, I was a huge or I'm a huge uh, Frank Miller Daredevil fan. So I have a couple mm. I'm, I'm lucky enough to have a couple of covers from his run on Daredevil. Wow. My one of my favorites uh, and I think one of everybody's favorites probably being uh, the 181 cover, The Death of Electra. Um, I have the original art to that. Um, do you, you do? Yeah. Can I mean, can I have your home address? And if there's a burglary in the next few days, let's just totally, say totally not me. It's all very locked up. And I, yeah, <laughs> it's all very locked up. Let's we'll leave it at that. Um, that's one of the best things. Uh, I have the original art to the uh, the first uh, Star Wars cover from Marvel's oh, wow. uh, Star Wars yeah. uh, run. Did how taken? Yep, yeah. that's a real favorite of mine. Um, my my. Two of my best pieces, I have, I believe it or not, I have some Steve Ditko Spider-Man art wow. from the 60s Spider-Man series that I love, some early Kirby X-Men. My, one of the best pieces I have, I, I, I'm lucky enough, I own the original cover art to uh, Giant Size X-Men 1 by uh, Gil Kane and Dave Cockrum. It's pretty insane. Yeah. I mean, again, if there's a burglary at your house within the next few days, it totally it wasn't, wasn't you. me. It wasn't you. It wasn't me. Yeah. That's, these two th events are unrelated. Uh, but, mean, uh, but art collecting, I mean, it's something I've been doing for, you know, years and years and years, which uh, was obviously wonderful. But uh, it's funny because uh, it, well, by the time I was done with uh, doing Hank Johnson, uh, by the time I basically having, you know, written it, I then, of course, had to own all the art to it, um, which was good for uh, Michael Walsh, the artist, and very bad for me, because if you sort of, you know, I was paid X, and X you need to imagine being a very tiny, tiny number, and then the art for the issue was Y, and X minus Y equals negative many dollars. So uh, it was sort of a slightly losing proposition for me, but I, I couldn't not own the art to Hank Johnson. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. I mean, what, what got you into collecting the original art in the first place? Um, I think when I was a kid, it was sort of that sense that collecting comic books wasn't nerdy enough. <laughs> um, you know, because obviously if I have a comic book, you might have the same comic book. But if I have the original art to a page, I'm the only one that can have that. So it's very sort of uber collector kind of feeling that, that to have one of one as opposed to, uh, you know, one of many. So I think that's part of it. And also, you know, I think there's that those who can't collect, you know what I mean? Yes. Like I couldn't draw if you paid me. There's a lot of things <laughs> I can do. Drawing is not one of them. It's pretty awful. And so I, I, I admire the skill. I wish I could do it and I, I can't, but I collect it. Yeah, that's very yeah. cool. I mean, obviously it sounds like you, uh, uh, I mean, tell me if I'm getting this wrong, but you have a long history with comics. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> no, no. I, I mean, I've been reading since uh, I've been reading comics. You know, since I was a little kid. I mean, I can remember uh, I used to get my hair cut. Uh, 
in New York City at the at FAO Schwartz, the toy the original right. toy store, they had a kids barber shop in the original location. They don't they don't have that anymore. But in the original well, well, they don't have right, they don't Schwartz exist at anymore. all. Right. <laughs> exactly. But in the original original location, they had a, a kids barber shop, and on like the third or fourth floor of FAO Schwartz was a little barber shop, and there was a barber there named Mr. Rudy. And I don't know whose hair Mr. Rudy cut, but he clearly was cutting someone from Marvel Comics's son's hair or mm-hmm. daughter's hair because his barbershop was filled with comic books that were stamped like complimentary copy, like oh, they were okay. like given yeah. to somebody. But they were like always the worst of the worst. It was like the, like the 70s, like Shogun Warriors <laughs> and like Human Fly and just things that clearly were laying around the mobile uh, the Marvel offices and they dumped on Mr. Rudy. But, uh, you know, you'd get your hair cut and if you didn't cry, which I managed to do sometimes, you'd get a comic. And, uh, you know, like any good sort of, you know, drug dealer, it got me hooked. And uh, I, I've been reading ever since. And it's, uh, I don't know, it sounds silly, but it's definitely been a, you know, it's, it's, it's a part of my life in the sense of, you know, early, I have early memories of, you know, where I was. And, you know, I had my appendix out in third grade. And I mm-hmm. read, I remember reading the, uh, the X-Men annual where they go to hell to save, you know, Nightcrawler. Yes. You know, I can remember like moment, you know, I can kind of date things by the comics I was reading. Um, and then honestly, you know, when I was at Seinfeld, um, uh, to mention the, uh, the the distinguished competition, mm-hmm. uh, I wrote the Bizarro Jerry episode at Seinfeld, oh. which was obviously very yeah. comic book related. But I did also do some uh, Marvel jokes in there, too. There were some Jerry George discussions about Iron Man and whatnot. So I, I, I represented both sides <laughs> fairly. But, uh, but yeah, comics are definitely a big part of my life. And I think, by the way, part of uh, – it sounds stupid, but I think part of how I – not that it's about comedy writing per se, but I think it's partially how I got into writing in general. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Oh, very cool. My, my mother has always claimed that I'm some freak for being able to date everything in my life by, like, the comic right. I was reading at the time. Like, no, 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 mom, mom. It, there's clearly 1999. Right, because, because I was reading blank, this yeah. book at, when you took us to do that, not 1998. And she just gives me this weird look. Yeah, I, can like, probably, I can help it. I can probably do that through, I mean, this gets uber nerdy, but uh, I can do that for like the X-Men, especially in that sort of prime oh, yeah. period of like the X-Men. And then somewhere like in the, you know, the 200s, I lose track of what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> That happened. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, perfect. I think uh, that's pretty much all that we have fantastic. time for. Fantastic. So, thank, thank you, Miss Mandel, oh gosh, for joining you. us. And uh, yeah, this is Marvel, your universe. Hello out there this week in Marvel listeners. This is Marvel.com assistant editor Patrick Cavanaugh bringing you the latest and greatest installment of What Up, Wolfman. Mark Strom is not here which means I'm allowed to say whatever I want. Uh, He's in Minnesota, and I think he's, I don't know, whatever Minnesotans do. Vikings? That's a football team. So maybe he's pillaging? I don't know. This is off to a great start. What do we got this week? Well, it's a shorter week, but there's still tons of action-packed excitement, a bunch of exciting news that we're posting this week. Available right now. To own, you can get Marvel's Avengers Age of Ultron. That's right. You can get the uh, digital HD or 3D digital version of the film with special features and behind-the-scenes stuff. All, all your 
all your supplementary needs. Uh, that's available on iTunes, on the Google Play Store, all sorts of different things. If you prefer physical media, then if you wait until October 2nd, you'll be able to buy the film on 3D Blu-ray, Blu-ray, DVD, digital SD, or VOD, if that's what you prefer. And those, of course, also have a whole bunch of special features. We've been posting a bunch of behind-the-scenes features as well as clips probably leading right up to the physical media release. We'll be posting a bunch of different clips from the film so you can uh, get those friendly reminders of how much fun you had watching Earth's Mightiest Heroes destroy Ultron. Or maybe they didn't destroy Ultron. Maybe you haven't seen the film and maybe you think Ultron killed all the Avengers. It's entirely possible there's only one way to find out, which is by purchasing the film on Digital HD today. What else do we have going on? Well, in the TV side of things, we just posted a teaser, kind of a, something to, to build the excitement for Marvel's Jessica Jones, because we announced that on November 20th, we will premiere, or rather Netflix will be premiering all 13 episodes of Marvel's Jessica Jones. That is very exciting. If you watch that teaser, you'll be able to get an idea of the tone of the show. It's definitely a darker, grittier show than some of the things we've seen before from Marvel. So it's really exciting that uh, Netflix is bringing us that original series. And again, all of those episodes will be available at 12.01 Pacific Time 12.01 a.m. Pacific time on November 20th. So that means you'll have to stay up real late at night, especially if you're on the East Coast or in a country that is not in North America, where it'll, I don't know, maybe it'll be the morning. Uh, so either way, make sure you drink plenty of coffee so you can power through all 13 one-hour episodes of Marvel's Jessica Jones. Also, this week in regards to TV... We posted some news about some of the plans for New York City Comic Con. Uh, depending on what time you're listening to this, we might not have actually posted all of the details. So if you're listening to this and you haven't seen the details of what we got planned for television for New York City Comic Con, I recommend going to marvel.com and just clicking Control-R, which I believe is Reload if you're using Chrome, Maybe it's F5 for other browsers. Just keep keep your eyes out because we're announcing some of our really exciting panels and just different events that we'll have going on. On the animated side of things, we have a brand new episode of Marvel's Avengers Assemble. This Sunday at 8.30 a.m., the Avengers help an alien race from some invaders. Like the, the aliens contact... Earth's Mightiest Heroes, which now they're becoming like Universe's Mightiest Heroes, and they travel to this other planet. And big surprise, Thanos is behind some of the shenanigans and tomfoolery that are being dealt with by this alien race. So the Avengers go to lend him a hand. Make sure you tune in to that brand new episode this Sunday, 8.30 a.m. on Disney XD. And you might have watched over this last weekend the very first episode of Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. We had a sneak preview of that episode. If you missed it, then make sure you tune in to the series premiere event. It'll be a one-hour event 
on Saturday, September 26th at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Disney XD. We'll be showing the first two episodes, and they're kind of a, a, a big event that go together. So make sure you tune in to that. And I believe that's all I have. Even if there is more, I can't think of it right now, so it doesn't really matter because this is What Up, Wolfman? And what is up? I guess nothing nothing new. Not much more. So uh, until next time, I will smell you later. All right. All right. Wow. Time for this week in Marvel questions and comments. Ben, you want to start us off? Yeah, I'm going to start us off with uh, Ben Mullings, spelled B-E-N-N, which, fun fact, um, you remember around 2000 when Taz joined (laughs) WWF from ECW? Yes. So that was my senior year of high school, and I thought it would be fun to just start adding an extra N to my name, Uh like when I was signing tests and stuff like that. No teacher ever questioned it. (laughs) It was like that was just it was just suddenly my name had an extra N in it. It so, always bugged me that they put an extra Z. Oh, absolutely. It was bizarre. Um, but it worked for me. Anyways, Ben Mullins, uh, commuting to college a lot means it's probably time to start listening from the very beginning. And that is a screenshot of our very first This Week in Marvel where the spotlight book was X-Men Regenesis. I am excited for you, Ben. Also terrified. Yeah. Uh, we I have thankfully we'll ever hear from you again. Yeah, we've thankfully gotten, uh, a, I would hope, better at I this. Hope so, man. 300 some odd episodes later. Yeah. Four years. Know. I mean. Let's hope so. Yeah. Uh, Beth. This is just a bunch of hashtags. Well, she says she's thrown out the pod, the podcast she's listening to. Okay. Uh, you know, like there's um, looks like a Jessica Jones podcast, uh, some television stuff, yeah. um, a Game of Thrones one, a Doctor Who one, uh, and us. Very cool. Which is great. Also, shouts out, you probably already know this, but the latest This Week in Marvel 200.5 on the iTunes feed is the same audio as 200. I believe we did know this, and I think Blake fixed it last week. Yes. Uh, we, we got through that, and uh, we're working through a bunch of iTunes problems mm-hmm. lately, so hopefully we'll figure out what that's all about. None of us are it. very uh, techy, Tech savvy. So uh, we're it's doing our best. for guys who work on a website. Yeah. But we're much better <laughs> at talking. Um, Bob Moriarty wanted to say I've really enjoyed the myriad guest stars bands funny co-hosts intern bashing and general update thanks and that was a holdover 2200 yes came in after we recorded yeah I enjoy the intern bashing as well yeah Brian Jurila or Hulila says has the difference in the Parker story in Ultimate Origin and Ultimate Spider-Man ever been explained uh I mean I think it really Ultimate Origin explained it in that Bendis wrote both, and that was what really happened. Basically, what you got from Ultimate Spider-Man was kind of a, mm, you know, they're spies. Here's kind of what happened. I think in Ultimate Origin, he clarified it, if I recall correctly. It's been a while since I've read Ultimate Origin. Yeah, I haven't read it. But I think it was just Bendis kind of, you know, retconning his own work a little. You also have to remember that back in the early days of the Ultimate Universe, Bendis would kind of, it was a lot more fluid. And he would throw out a lot of his own stuff. Like, a lot of characters who appeared in, in like, Ultimate Marvel team-up for the first time, those appearances would be kind of, like, discarded. I think discarded. all of Ultimate Marvel team-up is not canon. Con- yeah, considered canon yeah. by our own admission, but it's a great series. It's like, I think meh. I would consider the Daredevil stuff canon because I think it gets referenced later. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Interesting. That's it. I don't remember. I, rem- I just remember the Jim Ma Food Fantastic Four issue. I loved it. <laughs> 
fantastic. It was really good. Uh, Kate Bengert says, Spider-Gwen turns her amp to 11. Well done. Love it. Uh, and Kate says, finally moved back to the city and back to my local comic shop. Loving, happy, love having physical copies again. Thanks, Wizards Comics. Hey. Uh, Kate, where is this Wizards Comics? Let us know. Yeah. Will we, we like well, shouting does, out does any the, of this? Does the city definitely mean New York City? Ooh, yeah. In this case, or is it maybe a different city? Yeah, Tacoma. Because we're so used to just saying like, oh, yeah, the city equals New York City. Totally. Uh, Carlo M. says, trying to make sense of these two maps of Weird World. Now I'm completely lost. Carlo, that is the, point. the point. That is the point it's 100%. It's shifting. Yeah. Weird World is never the same. If you make a map on Tuesday, it will not be the same on Wednesday. Yeah, which and is... That's what Archon's discovering, and it sucks for him. Yeah, but it's great for us because we get these great maps. Yeah, very cool maps. Love them. Uh, Carlo says this to Ben, we miss your voice and knowledge at This Week in Marvel. Hope you get better soon. I'll be careful what you ask for, Carlo, but thank you very much. I'm feeling a lot better and uh, happy to be back on the podcast. Yes. Uh, a shout out to Clark Gregg, reporter, for plugging the 0.5 episode of 200.5. Very cool. Daniel Willis, Thor, God of Thunder hardcover with issues 12 through 25 recently released, but I can't find the first one with issues 1 through 11 anywhere. Sad face. Sorry about that, dude. Um, so if anyone out there can, uh, if you, any comic there. shops are out there and they know at the underscore dandy underscore man on Twitter, yeah. uh, Daniel will probably like to give you money for a copy of that hardcover. You would make that happen. And we will indirectly facilitate it, though we cannot officially. No. Don, DJ Fanko, bummed I missed the 200th episode, but the iTunes podcast feed doesn't seem to update in a timely manner. Hopefully you have it now. Problem isn't only the release schedule, but my schedule where I can only listen to the cast on weekdays. Keep up the great work on This Week in Marvel. And here's a very belated toast to 200 and more. Cheers. Hey, here we go. Gareth Hatfield embarrasses himself by saying, hmm, <laughs> Hank Scorpio sounds awfully familiar, posting a great screen cap of Hank Scorpio from The Simpsons, then saying, okay, seems like I got Hank Scorpio mixed up with Hank Johnson. I'll go hang my head in shame. Loved it. Which is just weird because they sound not really anything at all like, but I, it's funny. Well, Scorpio, I mean, if you're thinking of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Shield, like the Hydra world, like, there, yeah. yeah. And it, is a, and it was a good excuse to look at this picture of Hank Scorpio. So and that episode is so good. Great episode. Tempted to get myself next with Agents of Hate collection, but I'm not sure about it. How does it tie to the MU? Okay, so this sparked me trying to figure out in my head why we as comic fans mm -hmm. do this. Like, if a story is good, mm. what does it matter how it ties into the Marvel Universe? Yes. Like Just or like you're to any with Ultimate Marvel team right to to any comic to any universe. If you like, um, if if BBC made a great Doctor Who one off, but mm -hmm. did not fit into their canon, you're, you're you could still like it mm -hmm. because it's it's great. If you you know if there's something that is terrific and made by great people and it, it evokes emotion, it evokes excitement, and all these feelings in you. It doesn't matter how it reflects upon other things. As long as you like it and it, it, it's good, then that's what counts. Yeah, that's what matters. Yeah, I, we, we see this a lot in, in comics yeah. as people are like, I, well, I'm not going to read obsessed it. obsessed with continuity. If it doesn't fit in the continuity. And it's like that Superman Secret Identity story by Kurt mm. Busiek and Stuart Eminem. is One of the best. It, stories one of my favorite comics of all time yeah. has no bearing on continuity, but it's so good. Right. What if stuff like what that? What if? Oh, my you know? God. I could. Ugh. 
All right, rant aside, you should get Next Wave Agents of Hate. It's really good, <laughs> and you should go back and listen to our Twim URC we did on it. Yes, and to tie it into the MU, uh, it a lot of some of the stuff that happened with the characters in there is reflected on how they're portrayed yep. going forward. Absolutely. The new Hulk sporting a faux hawk hairstyle looks awesome. Hashtag faux hawk. That is, uh, that's another news piece we didn't really cover is that Amadeus Cho is going to be the totally awesome Hulk, but we'll have more on that later in the week, which yes. is why I didn't uh, say anything. Yes. By the time this podcast is up, actually, we may have more on that up on the site. Yes. Oh, and um, Next Wave does tie into the most recent Mighty Avengers. Mm-hmm. Captain uh, America and the Mighty Avengers yep. as well. So there's that. Glenn Ewing says, by the way, awesome job, Agent M, for doing the whole thing. 199 solo. Thanks for caring. Caring is caring, and I did all of it. HWView, Agent M, wow, thank you for the supersize. This week in Marvel, big one, Twim 200. It's great to have the band back together, but Stromy's laugh can be an alarm. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I would leap out of bed yeah. if that was my alarm. Uh, uh, Shut it off, shut it off, shut it off. I would start dancing and then, like, smash my clock. (laughs) Having Nick Lowe crouching on the podcast was fun. Having Tom Brevoort is like a professor. My favorite moment in this week's Marvel podcast was being in the live podcast with a gentleman from NYCC. That was fun. I agree. We liked having you there. Yeah. Jeremy Whitley says, Woohoo! I haven't seen this week in Marvel yet, but I'll have to check it out. Do you have a link? So Jeremy <laughs> is a writer for um, the uh, Misty and uh, Danny story oh, from cool. uh, Secret, Secret Love. Secret Wars, Secret Love. Secret Love. Um, so Secret Wars love. Yes. So I just I included that in here because it was cool. We were tweeting about it. He is very like pro getting people excited about the book mm-hmm, and about mm-hmm. all his projects. So if you want to tweet to that writer about how much you loved Secret Wars, Secret Love, his story in there, it's at J R O M E five eight. That was a great story. It was so good. with the old heartstrings. Yeah. And good Hero art. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Everything about it. Jessa Delia says, uh, I want this dialogue in the new Netflix Luke Cage series so bad. And it's uh, some stuff with Luke Cage uh, talking about heroes for hire and beating the crap out of people. It's great. Good stuff. Jim Radloff says, somehow, until last week, I had only seen Misty Knight in What If Stories. What are some good stories to look her up in? I mean, she was in all those Daughters of the Dragon stories back in the 70s, but I don't know what series they were in. She Probably Heroes for Hire, I would well, guess. Well, she and Colleen Wing were regulars in Heroes for Hire, mm-hmm. so you can definitely check that out. I know she showed up in X-Men a few times. Uh, they had their own limited series a couple times. Uh, basically anything actually Heroes for Hire since 2000 has been Misty stuff. Yeah, there was a series during Civil War. Yep, and then there was that Abnett and Landing series. Yep. That was a lot of fun, so that, that should get you started. Yeah. Basically, anything with Heroes for Hire, you'll probably find Misty Knight circling around it somewhere. Totally. And Jim says, after Ryan's report at D23, I want all of the Disney Infinity figures. Also, a Clone High comic book series. I have um, all my Disney Infinity figures. My my mother-in-law got us this thing called a C-table, which is this, like, little table that you're supposed to... You can slide it, like if you're eating dinner at your couch or something, you can slide it and it goes under your couch and now you have like a little table in front of you. Problem is our couch goes all the way to the ground, so it's useless <laughs> to us. Um, so what I did instead of that, I just set it up in the corner of the room and I put all my Marvel Disney Infinity figures on it. And I had people over this weekend and they were just like, I've always liked the Disney Infinity figures, but they look somewhat classy on that table because it's kind of a nice table. <laughs> so. Classing it up. Yep. Uh, also, we need to get the rights to Clone High yeah. and do something with it. Absolutely. It is long overdue. Johnny Vinyl, awesome that my tweet got someone to buy the new Marvel Legendary expansion. Got to get Agent M and Ben J. Morse to try it. What is that? Marvel Legendary is the card game. Oh, cool. Yeah, there was um, 
a uh, Modox uh, card and, and a whole bunch of stuff. It's really cool. Then we got Kristen Ritter. Sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically saying, check out This Week in Marvel Podcast. Gapping about my new show, Jessica Jones. Bunch of emojis at Netflix, at Marvel. It was just cool that uh, is really Kristen she, yeah. helped support the show. She yeah. did, I think that's like her first big interview about Jessica Jones. I've watched so much Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23 really, over the last two It's a two really weeks. underrated little gem there. Oh my there. god, and it's she, so good. And she was also, did you watch Veronica Mars? No. She was excellent on Veronica Mars. Oh yeah? Yeah. And in the Veronica Mars movie. So, big Kristen Ritter fan. Oh my gosh, she was so good in that, though. Raph A.B. started watching Attack on Titan recently, and I reread Attack on Avengers. That's definitely some great stuff. We let CV know that, which is good. Yeah. Laughing out loud, listening to the questions and comments of Twim200, Agent M, Ben J. Moore, Strami, the Wolfman are crazy. That was that was a wild night. That was a hoot. It was a hoot, hoot nanny. Hoot, hoot uh, whatever. Uh, the interview I was waiting for and we didn't get for Twim 200 was Brian Bendis. The rest of the interviews were good. I will say this. Uh, there were like probably eight more uh, creators that mm-hmm. I reached out to, but we couldn't get it working schedule-wise. I mean, these guys and gals are writing and drawing comics and there's sometimes they're traveling I know one of the creators was like consulting on uh, another project and they were all over the place and so there's no fault to them that they couldn't do it we got I think 14 or 13 interviews yeah you 14 of them dude it was incredible so uh, I was happy with what we got and that just gives us more opportunities in the future to talk to Brian and talk to everybody else who Mm -hmm. we didn't get a chance to because believe me there are a number of great creators who uh, we reached out to and just didn't get the chance to finalize yeah, with. And for sure, now that all new different, all new, all different, different, yeah. all Marvel is coming up, like, definitely we'll be sneaking some little interviews in with, you know, people working on those books. So I'm sure you'll hear from Brian soon. Yeah. He's unavoidable. Yes. It's like, just like Spider-Man's amazing and the Hulk's incredible, Brian Bendis is unavoidable. That would be his title. Ooh, the, the unavoidable, unavoidable Brian Michael Bendis. Bendis. I love it. Yep. Marvel Global Comics really needs an update for iOS 9, and Paul Degnan was hashtagged in this. Not hashtagged. He was added in it. So hopefully Paul took care of it. Uh, I don't know. If there are updates to come, we'll let everybody know. We read Little Marvel number one, giant-sized Little Marvel, and the twins live in the Richards house. Doom really wiped out all the Richards from existence. That's his dream. (laughs) Yeah. That's his dream. Can we have a comic book by Jerry Duggan and Chip Zdarsky? That could be the craziest and funniest book ever. Hashtag Horizon Labs. I don't know if one book could handle both of them. They're also together. Between the two of them, I think they're do- they're doing about 26 they're different doing, comics together. Jerry alone is doing 50. Yeah. Um, episode 205 is episode 200. We already covered that. Were the passengers of the Albatross famous comics writers or their gender-bent version in Captain Marvel? Yeah. Did you see this? No, I didn't notice okay, that. Okay, so in Captain Marvel and the Carol Corps... Um, when they do the little gravestone that uh, Rhodey puts up for his crew, the first couple are Iron Man supporting characters. You have, like, Bethany Cave, you have Clay Wilson, some other ones. But then as they start getting down, it's, like, Christine Claremont. I um, noticed the Claremont one. There were a couple others, too. I think I think Len Wein was in there. Oh, that's great. It was cool. It was really neat. It was, uh, yeah, so, yes, good call, uh, good call, Raph. Some of them were, some of them weren't. Gotcha. Reynaldo says, uh, hi, guys. A little late, but just finished listening to episode 200. Congrats on a continually continually enjoyable podcast. Thank you, Reynaldo. Wow. 
arguable. And Ronaldo tweets to Kristen Ritter, says, Hi, just heard your interview with Stramio on This Week in Marvel. Such a joy to hear you so into your Jessica Jones role. You are gonna own it. Nice. Hooray! Uh, Ricky Williams says, catching up on episode, he was, I think that's sick. That's a sick emoji. Yeah. Um, now on episode 199. Ben, my apologies for misspelling your last name and thanking me for the correction. That's okay, Ricky, because for the longest time I thought you were Ricky Williams from uh, the NFL. Well, there's nothing to say that he's not. Well, I mean, he said. He's told us. He's. Uh, you know he's, what? He's, he's, Sometimes you got to lie to tell the truth. He's clarified. Ooh, we should get that catchphrase like sometimes you gotta lie to tell the truth that could be yours man yeah all yours ref gemlin uh did the sun did the submariner ever find the sons of marina for after she transformed into a sea monster Hmm. where are we i'm lost we're on the page that has the right here that's Rob Nolan. Oh, yeah, that's Rob, Rob Nolan. Rob Nolan. Uh, They're the same no, person. Dup, 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 They're one dup, dup. and the same. Uh, and to answer your question, Rob, no. Uh, before Marina came back from the dead, uh, her sons were never found. They are presumably still out there somewhere. Ross Meyer. Uh, Agent M, I didn't mean to offend you with my question on 199. I appreciate all you and the other editors do for Marvel. I'll assume he said something terrible. No, it was just talking about... Uh, Ross was talking about how... Um, how much editorial gets involved uh, yeah, in, in the creation of stories and it's I think it it's way overblown it's overhyped uh, and overhyped in in a negative way but yep. never really gets attributed like all the positive things that the mm-hmm. editors do in b- making the stories and the art and everything well, as great as they are yeah that's the old saying is yeah. if, uh, if an editor does a good job you'll never notice they're there yep like they'll never get credit for the good stuff they only exactly. get blamed for the bad stuff totally the same as like a director in a movie yeah all good Ross yeah Ross also said, I love the 200th episode. Hearing all four of you talk to each other for the first time felt like a comic book crossover. It's not the first time we've all four of us talked to each other. I think we've done it on previous episodes of Have we? this show. I feel like we did. I don't know. Just one time. I don't know. I also love the mini interviews. Comic writers are like celebrities to me, and it was nice putting a voice to a name. I agree with what Jerry Duggan said. I like that your podcast focuses on the positives of the books each week. It doesn't critique too much. There's already enough of that anywhere you go on the internet. Also, if I was better with technology, I'd make Stromies laugh my ringtone. Wow. Multiple calls for getting uh, a pull-out audio of Stromies laugh. No kidding. Wow. Why does it take so long for the episodes to appear on the Apple Podcast app? 201 still isn't up, and it's almost September 7th. Again, we are working on it. Yeah, and we, we have no idea. Yeah. Uh, Sanabo Klebrock says 200 was the best episode ever oh my god Strami that laugh do you mm-hmm. know if I want to marry it or run away screaming that wow. is fantastic I don't know if you can le- legally marry it it might be a maybe problem. Uh, Santa tweets to me and Peter Sanderson mm-hmm. says love the Jack Kirby special great insights great work thanks uh, we also got a nice note from Jack Kirby's son about oh, that's it, cool. which was really cool. That's nice. Yeah. Scott McElroy, Dr. Underscore Spidey, says, I've read Marvel Comics, The Untold Story, cover to cover, and I still learned a ton about Jack Kirby on This Week in Marvel. Thank you, Peter Sanderson. That's what you get from Peter Sanderson. Yeah. The man. Only he knows. Totally. Uh, Scott also says, but wouldn't the director of S.H.I.E.L.D. know that Richard Parker was undercover? Who was, uh, who was that pre-Fury? And he's looking at a panel of... Yeah. That's from a Spider-Man issue. I think an annual with Red Skull. 
framing the Parkers to be traitors. I love that you can see that from. Well, I can see the red one, skull. Yeah, but one panel, and you pull it, you push yeah. it to an annual, and you've got like well, all I the know context. The story took place. I know their story took place in an annual. I can tell that the lettering is old enough so that it's not like the minus one sheet. You know, it's just it's the stuff you learn in college. <laughs> Oh boy! So Ref Gimlin's uh, back. Yeah. So uh, replying to um, Scott, I think uh, Ref Gimlin says he's Nick Fury. His secrets have sc- secrets. And then uh, Doctor Spidey says, "Do we know who was director of Shield right before Nick Fury Senior? Have they uh, changed it to be Howard Stark?" And um, then Ref Gimlin wasn't sure and asks you. I actually know the answer to this, but I'm not going to answer it because we have something in the works that mm. will answer it in a much more entertaining way than me just reading it. This is true. This is true. Uh, Scott McElroy, Twim of the Week is Shield number nine. Good on Mark Wade for taking a two-page Kirby pitch and making a compelling story out of it. Uh, it was an awesome issue. At the same time, a two-page Kirby pitch is a pretty good springboard for... Yeah, you could do... Uh, I mean, movies can get made out of that. Sophie H. Wood, yep, this is Spider-Man in my metro. Hashtag Spider-Man, hashtag the real deal. Uh, guy dressed as Spider-Man on a subway. And Sophie is in Denmark. On Denmark, Copenhagen. Yeah. Exactly. Squirrel Dad retweeted us with the Avengers infographic, which if you guys haven't checked it out, check it out. It is badass. And then ask, can we get this as a poster? Who do I need to send sweets to to make it happen? <laughs> Should you just send them to you? Uh, yeah, yeah, just send me all the, the candy. Send I love all, candy. Send them all the candy. Um, that we created that our team yeah i don't know if we have you know i don't know if it's high res enough for it to be turned into a poster um we'll inquire about it yeah one of our meetings that we have yes uh we gave a shout out to the marvel report they gave uh plugs to the interviews in 200 and 200.5 which really appreciate that thank you marvel report all right, let's finish up with Tech Lord Lex Pendragon, who said 200 episodes was incredible. I felt like I was part of the party. You definitely were. Thanks for bringing us Twimomaniacs along. My tweet on the 200th episode would have included Stromy the Wolfman and some other guests by name, but Twitter's Carrick. Hey, he's got jokes. It's good one. Am I the only one seeing that they put the file for, all right, more iTunes stuff? We're over this. We're way past yeah. this. And then he, he and Blake work it out, and it's a beautiful resolution. Um Agent M is such a social and outgoing guy that when he's flying solo on this week in Marvel, he sounds so lonely. I feel bad for you. Well, that's all over now, so don't worry anymore, Tech Lord. And finally, with Spider-Girl and Spider-Gwen being so popular, they stayed around. Obviously, we readers love a female Spider-Man. I would contend that you readers like Spider-Girl and Spider-Gwen because they are more than just a female Spider-Man. Yes, they are. It's not like it's Peter Parker as a girl. That would be ultimate Spider-Woman. Who is also great. Ultimate, became Ultimate Black Widow. Yeah. Who is also great. But yeah. now, Spider-Girl and Spider-Gwen are totally different. Yes. We did it. Forgot about how exhausting these are. Yeah. I'm going to take a nap now. Talking and talking and talking. This is really good. Guys, remember, for next week, Twin RC week, read the first six issues of the original Secret Wars. We're going to talk about it. Yeah. Talk about it. Rock about it. It's going to be great. Yeah. Um, we should bring in Tom or somebody. Yeah, we should. We'll, we'll think of somebody. Yeah talk about like someone ran that uh, alright guys if you have any more technical questions and, and stuff about the podcast the files the sound or anything make sure you tweet to Blake Garris uh, as he is the one who uh, will pinpoint that stuff and try to get it fixed uh, I think that's it this is Marvel your universe Boy.